Right, we are uh, looking at a wonderful piece of scripture today, I discovered as I was preparing for it. Um, and many of us who know the Gospels will know this part well, and actually the world knows it well, because it's all about the betrayal, it's about the rest of Jesus. Um, so, to be honest, when Ian asked me to talk about this part, and I looked at the seven verses, six verses, and I thought, what's, what's there to say about this? <laughs> Jesus got arrested. That, that's it. Very simple. Um, but then, as I started to really live with the scripture in the, in the last few weeks, and also read what the other Gospels write about it, I mean, all of Matthew, Mark, and John is also uh, recorded uh, those events. I mean, that just part just became really alive uh, for me. It's uh, the event is actually fascinating. It's dramatic. It's also tragic, but there's triumph in it. It is really just a amazing um, piece to deal with. And and if we combine all the gospels, they really fill in the detail and give us a, a beautiful description of what happened there in those few moments on the mountain. I thought that the best way to experience is to really to think about the actors that play a role in this. I mean, there's the crowd that come, there's the, the traitor, the, the disciples. There's obviously our Savior Jesus that is central to it. It's the arrival of the crowd, the kiss by the traitor. Jesus rebuking his disciples. And then the triumph of, of our Savior in all of that. Um, now you say to me, triumph, Andre got arrested. What are you on about? But let's look at that and, and see what we need. So before I get too excited about where this is heading, um, let, me, let me start. And uh, you see, I've, I've called this um, Jesus in Control. Um, and as we step through it, uh, I believe that uh, you will see the calmness that actually comes through this uh, quite uh, energetic piece of scripture. Oh, that is right at the end. So I can sing, but I'm not going to run. <laughs> hey, let me. Okay, we'll get the first screen up. That's uh, the scripture. If you do that, I'll make plan B on this side for the moment. There we go. Right. Let's read that together. Luke 22, verse 47 to 53. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd appeared, and the man named Jesus, one of the twelve, was leading them. He walked up to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was, what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we use our swords? Then one of them struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, enough of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come to get him, have you come out with swords and clubs like you would against an outlaw? Day after day when I was with you in the temple courts, you did not arrest me. But this is your hour. And that, the power of darkness. Now this, this scene is actually quite spectacular. Um, you could probably make a movie of it. If you were to write this in modern day language, and I'm going to take you there, so give me that uh, for a moment. Um, you have what, what the world saw as this band of brothers 
considered by the, the rulers of the day, uh, specifically the Jewish leaders, as the rebels. Uh, they're out there, they're in the woods, they're in the garden. Are they hiding? Well, what are they doing there? Um, and, and the authorities of the day saw them, saw Jesus as a threat to peace. Um, so just imagine that for a moment, okay, it's written in today's time, you all know the movies. So what do we have here? We have a night scene. There's a SWAT squad on their way to arrest a band of rebels. That's elusive character that they've been looking for for a long time. Uh, I hope you can see it. Do you see the guys in their, in their, in their firearms and their um, SWAT squad gear? I see helicopters with searchlights all over the woods looking for these people. This is a dramatic scene. Um, why do I say that? If we read what John gives us about the story, he actually talks that Judas went and he secured a whole squad of soldiers. In the original language, the word that is actually translated into English is a word called, it's a word called cohort, which is a technical term for the Roman um, soldiers in those days, which were a tenth of legion, and the legion was 6,000 soldiers. So we're talking about 600 soldiers that he has secured. And it's not only them, there's also the temple guard that's there. This is a crowd of people coming to arrest Jesus. Now, I don't know whether actually all 600 of them came to arrest one man, but clearly they are coming to arrest Jesus as a threat to peace. They are seeing something that is a threat to them. And the Jewish leaders have convinced the Roman authorities of the day that this is a real threat to peace in Jerusalem. Therefore, we have the whole crowd of um, soldiers joining them. Now, let's just think about what happened in the week ahead. There's actually chapters of Luke that we've covered over the months before this. Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to the thunderous applause of those that believed in him, that gave him honor as he, as he enters. Um, then he goes in and he clears out the temple. And in the days to follow, he ministers in the temple courts and quite sharply against the Jewish leaders of the time. So what do we see? We see crowds of people in Jerusalem because it's Passover. There's lots of activity. There's this man that a lot of people are starting to follow. And the Jewish leaders are not happy. And we've seen that. In, in many of the chapters. Remember that this is also not the first time that they're trying to arrest Jesus. I take you back to, to John 7 and allow me to read a few verses from that just to, to show that picture again. So in John 7 verse 30, so then they tried to seize Jesus but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Hold that. Yet many of the crowd believed in him and said, Whenever the Christ comes, he won't perform more miraculous signs than this man did, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things about Jesus, so the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jumping a few verses to verse 14, John 7. When they heard these words, some of the crowd began to say, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But still others said, no, for the Christ doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Don't the scriptures say that the Christ is a descendant of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? Oh, they haven't read Luke 2 yet, have they? Okay. So there was a division in the crowd because of Jesus. 
Some of them were wanting to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Then these officers, sent by the Pharisees, returned to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why didn't you bring him back with you? The officers replied, No one ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered, You haven't been deceived too, have you? None of the members of the ruling council or the Pharisees have believed in him, have they? So we see that happening, and at the time they were not successful because people were really following what Jesus was saying. And also remember way back uh, in Capernaum, uh, that was in Luke 4, which we probably did about two years ago, uh, um, when they took Jesus and wanted to throw him off the cliff. And do you remember the words in, in verse 30 that, that's just stuck with me uh, since we've had that sermon where it said, but he passed through the crowd and went on his way. I mean, they dragged him out because they wanted to kill him and he just walked away because he was not to be touched. Now this time it seems like the Pharisees are coming perhaps better prepared. They've gone and found some Roman soldiers and a big army up there. Jesus is not getting away this time. But perhaps getting back into the story as to where we pick it up. Um, remember Ian's preach of last week and uh, if you were not able to be here I would really strongly encourage you to find it on her uh, church's YouTube channel. It is it's really good to listen to that. Because what we saw there was, was actually quite, a, quite an emotional time. Jesus in, uh, is in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, him and his disciples have just had Passover. And um, they, they are now resting in, in, the, um, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Mount of Olives, do you remember that little video clip that the guys have chosen that was a nice analogy for me, Jesus, the anointed one, we often anoint with olive oil. The olives need to be crushed three times before the oil comes out. Jesus goes to pray three times. But anyway, he had spoken about that. I don't need to repeat that. But the thing that I want to pick up is that Jesus is at that point um, encouraging his disciples to continue to pray and not to be tempted. Jesus needed to do something really painful, and he knew what was coming. That is what we went through last week. The cup of suffering represents the wrath of God. God's hatred for sin, that's what that cup was filled with. And Jesus went to the cross with agony. I don't think not because he was afraid to die, or because he was afraid of the pain. But as Ian pointed out, it was because of the rejection of God. The agony that he had. Jesus understood what was about to happen. He saw what it means not to have a relationship with God. And the question we heard last week was asking us, are we asleep? Have we fell into temptation? Are we asleep in our relationship with God? Are we asleep in our relationship in marriage with our children? God sends an angel to minister to Jesus in that moment. And this is where I want to connect it. So what happens next? Jesus gets up from that encounter with God, fully commissioned, fully committed to the will of God. And then he gets up and talks to his disciples and he's awaiting the crowd. So watch how fully in control Jesus is as, as he stepped through this process of the crowd coming to arrest him. He is fully commissioned, fully committed to do the will of the Father. 
So firstly, he's not running anywhere. He knows the crowd is coming. He's expecting them. Um, and he faces them head on. And they come really prepared. I mean, we read in the Bible that they have swords and clubs and even lanterns as if Jesus was dangerous, that they needed to, to really fight him, or if he was hiding, so they needed light to, to try to search him out. Um, but it is quite spectacular if we, if we read what um, John uh, gives us in, 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 in John 18 verse 4, Jesus actually asks them, who are you looking for? And let's see what happens in, in verse 5 and, and 6, because they then reply, Jesus the Nazarene, and he told them, I am he. And look at what happens. So when Jesus said to them, I am he, they retreated and fell to the ground. A whole army prepared for a battle. One single man says, I am he. And they retreat and they fell to the ground. Jesus is fully commissioned and committed to do the will of the Father. And his word spoken has the power to stop a full army. Jesus is in control, even when they come to rest. If we then look at the, the keys of the traitor, let's not focus on the action, but let's think about the conversation that took place there. Now I know that in the written word, we lose the tone of voice, um, but if you will allow me, I can just see Jesus asking Judas with a lot of compassion. Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? A kiss is such an intimate gesture of friendship, of loyalty, of belonging. I mean, those times that a slave would kiss his master's feet, a servant would kiss his master's hand, Jesus is reaching out to Judas and asking him this question. And it feels to me as if he's giving Judas a final chance for repentance. Remember, he's already done the wrong thing. He's already betrayed Jesus. He's already done the sin, but there's always forgiveness. There's always forgiveness. Remember that Jesus has seen the wrath of God. He knows what it means to be without eternity with God. He is not afraid of dying. He's not even afraid of the pain of suffering I've said before. But Jesus' heart breaks for everyone that are separated from the eternal love of God. Even in this moment, he reaches out to Jesus, I believe, and is asking him that question. Jesus' heart breaks for everyone that are separated from the everlasting love of God. In the next scene, we have the ever-zealous Peter taking this whole thing on his own. He, I am going to beat this army all around him, sword out, and he attacks. How different from Jesus' preaching? I mean, there is turn the other cheek. There's love your enemy. There is uh, forgive your brother, not seven times seven, but 70 times seven. But no, 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 Peter, I'm going to fight these guys. This is my Lord. This is my war to win. Jesus condemns violence. You want to ask Peter, 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 don't you get the kingdom message? Now, if I go back to my SWAT squad analogy, what happens at this point? The rebel fires out. The SWAT squad opens fire, wouldn't they? Not in this building. 
What happens in this case? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Jesus is in control. We read in verse 51 that Jesus says, Enough of this. Put away your sword. In the other versions, written down in the other Gospels. His words are powerful enough to call a ceasefire with immediate effect. The crowd doesn't even react. Peter launches out. Jesus says, enough of this. And it stops just there. In the Matthew version of the story, um, it actually recalls that, that Jesus goes a bit further rebuking Peter and saying, don't you think I can call on 12 legions of angels? Now, remember back, a legion, 6,000 men, 12 legions, 72,000 angels. Somewhere in the Old Testament, we also read about a single angel killing 185,000 Assyrians. I think Jesus has access to some fighting power if he needed that. But Jesus is in control. The will of the Father for the salvation of mankind is at stake. He continues to bring his love and care and peace even in a volatile situation. And then, then, then there's this amazing uh, it's almost as if the movie, in my mind, goes into slow motion when in all of this chaos we see a very intense, imminent, an intimate personal moment, I think. There's one man that loses his ear. He was the slave of the high priest. His name was Malchus, according to John. Luke tells us that Jesus heals his ear. I see a man on his knees in pain. Then I see Jesus kneeling, taking his head in his hands and healing him. The whole world is standing still for a moment. There are only two people in the scene. One who needs healing and one who offers healing. Did Malchus turn to the Lord? I don't know. But I believe if you're touched by the love of God in that way, I can't see how your life would not be changed. Perhaps John wrote down his name so that someone can go afterwards and find him and say, tell us your story. Because there are stories like that. I don't think he came. He was one of the Roman soldiers. He didn't come that evening expecting to be touched by the healing love of God the Father. But he has this moment when Jesus comes and healed him. Do you think it may have changed his life? I think it would. You know, I've heard the lightest stories of very rough guys that were at school and at uni with me, just to find them years later on the mission field or passionately involved in church life. And how did that happen? It's very simple, actually. You are never too far from God for him to reach out and touch your heart. Never. You are never too far from God for him to reach out to you and touch your heart. In this moment of chaos in the sea, Jesus stops to reach out to Malchus, healing with the love of God. You are never too far from God for him to reach out to you.
and touch your heart. And then we're back in the big story and, and Jesus is arrested. But not before he rebukes those that came before the arrest. So just to remind we Luke, Luke 22 verse 52 and 53, we read that again. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come out to get him, have you come out with swords and clubs like you would against an outlaw? Day after day when I was with you in the temple courts, you did not arrest me. But this is your hour, and that is the power of darkness. Jesus did not hide. He's constantly preaching in public. He was not operating in secret. But they come at night. They come under the sea. They're arresting Jesus in the dark, away from the crowds that believe in him and they're supporting his teaching. It feels to me like they're cowards. They are really afraid of the public opinion. But still, this is what was meant to happen. Jesus is still in control, fulfilling the will of the Father. Their evil deeds are because of them being controlled by the evil monster. And for now, for this hour only, God allows that. God uses the acts of the evil and he turns that around for the good of mankind. That is our God. So even when arrested, <coughs> Jesus is still in control. We have been saved by Jesus' obedience to the Father's will, for him to go to the cross and bring salvation to us. We're still living in a broken reality today. The full redemption of creation is still to come when Jesus returns. So in the meantime, bad things happen to good people. But God is in control of eternity. If you would allow him, he will kneel with you in your pain and he will give you healing. He will restore your spirit. Eternity with God is on offer. And that is what happens here in this garden. Jesus brings still his control. He's under the will of the Father. He continues to minister with love and care. He reaches out to Jesus. He heals Marcus. He reminds the, the leaders of the time, listen to the message I'm bringing to you. I've not tried to hide this. It's available to everyone. Eternity is on offer. So, few slides on if you guys can help me with that. I just want to ask a few questions um, as I close out. Um, there we are. So the question for us is, where are you today? Are you part of the rejecting crowd? Are you an indifferent Roman soldier just here because you have to be here? Are you a disciple that wants to fight for Jesus? I guess nothing wrong with zeal. <laughs> nothing wrong to do with that passion to fight for Jesus. Are you a child of God overflowing with the love and grace of God? To show heaven to those in need of mercy. Jesus is showing us how he continues to operate under the will of the Father. 
The Father is calling us today to be at his feet, to hear his voice for each one of us, and for us to respond to that with the love and the grace that Jesus demonstrates, even in a battle when people come to arrest him. Salvation, eternal life, is available to us, and we can bring that to people around us as we share what Jesus has done for us, so that they find that as well. I'll be there, and I, I'm going to just close in prayer for us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you remind us that you are in control. And Father, often, as Sharon has shared as well, I mean, we, we just go on our path and sometimes it's blocked. Sometimes there's stuff that needs to be cleared up. Sometimes we reroute because we don't care Father, within those battles, we see today how in control you are and your invitation to us that you are also in control of our lives. Father, help us to see that and help us to give that to you as we've said this morning as well. Just all of you is for you, Father. I pray for those of us who are here that may be asking questions. We may find ourselves in a space where we are wondering what this is all about. As Jesus has reached out to Marcus, Father, thank you that you're reaching out to each one of us. And that not one of us are ever too far away from you, that you can reach out to us and touch our hearts. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are um, going to go into a uh, time of um, enjoying communion uh, together. I'm going to read for us um, from the, the Passover meal as it's uh, written down in Matthews, where Jesus then says, well, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, taking the cup and giving thanks and he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood the blood of my covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins thank you Jesus for the cross so often in the world around us today. Thank you that we can share communion today. A feast of remembrance, Jesus, for what you've done for us. 
He went through that suffering and the pain, but more so the agony of knowing what it means not to have a relationship with God. And you restore that, Jesus, you're giving us, you're giving us that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. That uh, brings our service uh, to a close. Just to remind you that um, there, there will be people uh, around sort of to my right, to your left, if you have a need for, for prayer. So please make use of that. Uh, there's coffees and teas outside, so if we can make our way there as soon as possible, then people that are being ministered to uh, have that, that peace around as well. Uh, just before we do that, something I actually wanted to do right at the start. Uh, there are many new faces that have joined our church uh, over the years. There's some people that have now been part of the church for a year, but this may be your first time, or one of your first times, that you're actually in the building. Um, and I, I'm going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and give a testimony yet, but just for today. Um, if this is the first time you're attending the church, even if you've been online with us for a long time, or no one has asked you yet, can you put up your hand as a new member? I want you to do that because we would love people to see and be able to reach out to the new faces uh, that are joining our church. So, here we have. Well, welcome, welcome uh, our church. We, we really believe it's going to be a great journey for you as well as we journey together with Jesus. Thank you very much. Enjoy the morning. Thank you.